0: This episode is powered by Waggle. Waggle is an agile and comprehensive employee voice platform and truly improves engagement. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Engagement Zone, the podcast brought to you by the Employee Engagement Awards and Employee Engagement Alliance. Uh, We're currently in May, uh, so hopefully in the Northern Hemisphere the sun's starting to shine, uh, With with summer around the corner. Um, With regards to our awards uh, business, well, our deadline we extended for one month is fastly approaching for the North American Employee Engagement Awards. So please get your entries in ahead of Friday, the 22nd of May. Uh, um, and so to our guest today, um, uh, a really great guest for uh, any, at any time of the year, but especially during these uh, tr- troubling and challenging times, uh, will bring insight uh, unparalleled to most other people actually, I think, um, so, please welcome the CEO of Investors in People, Paul Devoy. Welcome, Paul. Thanks
1: very much. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Well, it's uh, great to have you, and uh, th- thanks for uh, being patient with my Wi-Fi issues last week.
1: <laughs> it's all right. We're all we're all having these challenges at the minute.
0: Yeah, the, the working from home fun. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what's what's on your agenda at the moment, Paul? How how are you uh, ch- uh, navigating uh, the the challenges that we all face?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's undoubtedly a challenging time. I think the thing for us is that we've always promoted flexible working. So our organisation was set up for home working. Uh, and I'm a classic case in point. I live in Scotland um, in a place called Pullman. And then I worked in London uh, through the week. So uh, everyone in our team is, is set up to remote work remotely. So it's just for now, everyone's doing it rather than just you know, people doing it a couple of days a week—it's now a permanent thing. So, as far as that's concerned, we've we've adapted to it pretty well.
0: Yeah, I, I remember actually. Um, uh, forgetting about COVID and the challenges that faced, is Um, one one of the conferences we had, you were one of our main speakers, and uh, it was the snow that stopped you getting home from London to Scotland—the beast from the east. That's right.
1: Yeah, that was that was. I um, it was a planes, trains, and automobiles day. I had to get. A, Train up to Newcastle, and then the train stopped, and then I had to hire a car to drive through the snow, and the roads were shut. I think it took me. I think it took me five hours to drive from Newcastle to, to the other side of Edinburgh <laughs> in the snow. Yeah, it's a day I won't forget. That one though. Yeah, and that.
0: yeah, and we, there was a hopefully a nice conference at the beginning of it, but I felt so bad. I was trying to put you up in a hotel, but you wanted to get home. So you know, it's, yeah, I'm, I applaud you for the effort.
1: So. Uh, yeah, there was a few. There was a few moments where I thought I wasn't going to get home. I thought I was going to be stuck in a snowdrift in the Scottish oh, border. No. I, yeah, yeah.
0: No, I know that part of the world. Well, part of that world. Well, my mums uh, from Sunderland, so quite often ah, going yeah. over the uh, Cheviots, the Cheviots over to Edinburgh.
1: Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah.
0: So anyway, I, I digress. Um, to, so this, um, I think, you had some research just come out recently um, around well uh, wellbeing.
1: Yeah, we've been. Um, doing some intensive work for the last couple of years, really getting under the under the bonnet about well-being and what what are the different elements to it that work. Um, so we've also done some research recently to see, you know, what's the impact on well-being with the current situation with the coronavirus? And the, some interesting information has come out. That there's four out of five employers are really worried about the well-being of their employees at the, at the current moment. Um, And there's two big topics that come out of that. One is, unsurprisingly, about the psychological, mental well-being of employees and also the social well-being, any kind of feeling, the isolation that they have. So I think we underestimate how much people value that social interaction that they get through work. Um, And that's happening in a very different and sometimes quite um, strange ways than than people are used to.
0: Yeah, we, we were just talking about um, one of my colleagues is, is uh, uh, had, had very lucky and had beautiful twins but, and is now working at home with three boys under the age of three whilst her husband's uh, working d- d- during the working hours. And it's definitely very, very challenging when you can't escape that home environment. There's nowhere to go on lockdown and you're balancing work and home um, all in the same, all in the same building.
1: Yeah, it's it's real. It's it's interesting because there's, there's upsides to it because a lot of us, myself included, probably spend more hours than we would like commuting, and the commuting experience is not not always very pleasant. Um, so you've you've got more time at home because you're not travelling. Um, you've got more flexibility about when you do your work, so that's all great. Um, but you know, for those of us that have got kids and you're homeschooling and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, that creates a whole additional set of challenges, and you're trying to balance the both. Uh, and I know some people are feeling like they're not doing either as well as they would like. So I think the good bits will hopefully stay, and that people will will cherish the kind of the better work life balance they've got. Um, but equally, I still think people will want that social interaction with their colleagues. And I think for us as employers, we need to think about how how you we balance the two of those going forward. And I think it will. It will lead us to thinking about very different ways of organising work and how we structure work and how we structure the environment that people work in. So there's lots, there's lots of challenges in there, but I think there's a huge amount of opportunity as well.
0: Yeah, I'd be interested to see the, the levels of productivity actually, because um, I know there's an adjustment going on. But without those, without the commuting, like you say. Um, And I I never, I work out of London, but when I go into London, I never go on the underground. Um, I've always thought it was filthy anyway. So I always walk everywhere because London's much smaller than people actually think it. Um, uh, So I've now not having to go to meetings, I'm doing them on Google and I probably could have always done them on Google rather than getting the half an hour train up to London. I'm, you know, although I have a face of radio, which is why I never did them on Google or Zoom. Um, uh, I, I, um, I'm definitely being more productive in the, in those hours, um. But I think there's also just a basic human need for social interaction that we, you know, we we just can't ignore going back into this. And I don't think we want to have a, a new normal where where we don't have that interaction. Um, I think that there could there's a real risk of over overplaying this when. When the virus uh, starts to go away again, uh, I think I think we, we we could I don't I don't want us to overcompensate as as a society and as as employers because uh, <laughs> I think that could be a very
1: sad looking world. But I think it's about it's about really engaging with your employees to understand well what what out of this new scenario has actually worked well, and how can we how can we like bank that and say right well these were good things that we shouldn't lose as a result of it. Because I certainly know from speaking to lots of organisations in our community, I think the whole agenda of flexible working has probably moved forward 10 years and 10 weeks because people have been forced to do things that they maybe were resistant or nervous about doing before and actually find that, do you know what, this is with the technology we have now with Zoom and Skype and Microsoft Teams and all of these things, people have been able to, and organisations have been able to adapt pretty well. So let's bank that. Let's take the the benefits of that. But also, it's also shown how much we value that social interaction. So maybe offices won't be full of desks anymore. They'll be full of social spaces where people come together and then they maybe go back and work from home and we'll have a much more kind of agile, fluid way of working um, because that's more in line with the lives that we live now.
0: Well, yeah, and to be frank, they, they were just organizations were forced to trust their people <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly you know, you know you, uh, you, uh, that's that's the thing it's, you know they just weren't trusting them before they weren't empowering them and now they had to and they can see the benefits of doing that so um,
1: yeah well, so everyone, i can't remember who said that but somebody said may, may, quoted this to me the other day that um you know, that whole issue about, well, can you trust people to work and, you know, just, you know, sitting on the couch watching homes under the hammer when they should be working. Well, if that's the kind of person you thought they were, then why did you employ them in the first place? You know, um, you know, you, you instead of, like, measuring people by the clock and inputs, measure people by outputs, you know, and outcomes. What is it you've delivered? What I've always said to my team is if you do your best work at four o'clock on a Sunday morning, but then you want to go and, and pick your kid up for school or be there for a sports day or have some caring responsibilities for a relative, then thats I'm absolutely cool with that. I'll judge you on the quality of your work and you know the level of outputs that you deliver. If you can organise that in a way that doesn't negatively impact on your colleagues but helps you manage your life outside of work in a, in a better way, you're going to be more productive. You're going to be happier. And as we all know, a more happy person is a more productive person, and it's good for the it's good for the business as well. And I think there's been that issue that we've had this kind of mindset that unless somebody's there ninety five, and unless a line manager can like lock eyes on them, that somehow that's that's what's required to get the best from them. And I think this whole situation has proven that that is not the case.
0: Just ripping up the whole, all those horrible, this is how it used to be kind of mantra. You know, I used to work until X amount, you know, 10 o'clock at night, and now that's what you've got to do. And this is just ripping up the rule book entirely. Um, you now, there's that big push around the four day week over the past 12 months. Um, and that's pretty getting ripped up again, you know, actually, just like you say, focusing on output. Uh, and quality of life you work when you want to work uh, and as long as you deliver uh, i trust you And I'm, I'm going to empower you to do so as well um yeah,
1: exactly treat people like adults and they'll like, act like adults treat them like children and they'll like, act like children
0: i've always i've always said this stuff's pretty simple we, we have we've we've over it and i'm I, I like the fact that we, people are starting to be frank in their conversations now <laughs> um it might be as a failure of leadership and not trusting their people than, than more than anything else um
1: yeah. I think the problem is in the past we've kind of managed by exception so if 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 I don't know three people out of a hundred are going to swing the lead, then we create policies on the basis of the three rather than creating policies on the basis of the ninety seven that don't do that, let's get the best out of there so i think I think this has taught us to actually get proportionality in terms of how you what controls you need over your people and as you say much more about trust
0: yeah we need to have another conversation a year i think paul uh and let and see, see see if everything's just reset and or, or, or hopefully it's reset but in in a good way and it's wiped the sweat clean um so look you know going getting back to the well-being piece of uh piece of it um how can employers measure and manage the well-being of their staff right now? You know, any any advice? So
1: my my first port call is that is to do a, a an assessment of where you are. You know, use you can use our investors and people or, or another tool to actually understand well what are the what are the issues around about psychological, physical, and social well-being at the moment, and really understand how your employees are. Feeling and what their views are on that, and get a really get a really good insight and a really good baseline, and then then from that point on, when you understand what the strengths and what the issues are, is to say, right, well, how do we how do we build on the things that are going well, like we've described, you know, homeworking, creating lots of opportunities, people don't want to commute so much, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then that can then shape your wellbeing strategy and say, right, okay, how do we then create a strategy that helps employees. Get the balance right between being productive and effective at work, but also getting the balance with their home life. And if you get those two things in sync, you create more productive and happier workplaces.
0: Um, and look, no, looking forward, we've, we've talked about it a little bit already, but you know how in, in the conversations you're having um, with you know, the, the, the thousands of companies going through investors and people, you know how are employers preparing for life after COVID nineteen?
1: So I think, I think companies are going through different stages, and I and I know we are not any different than anyone else. The first thing was a kind of state of chaos, you know, crisis. The kind of economy ground to a halt. What's this going to mean for us? What are we going to do? How do we protect cash? You know, all the things that we were talking about earlier. And then I think once you get through that kind of crisis stage, it's then thinking about right, okay. So how do we then engage with our customers or stakeholders or people to really understand what this new environment and this new situation means for them. And then how lot as we talked about earlier, how much of that is going to stick. So then thinking about further on, for your business, for my business, for anyone else's business, how do we create a successful organisation that utilizes the talents of your people so that you can thrive in this this new world that we're going into, which none of us are really know what it's going to be like. What it's going to be like, Um, so for me, it's about making sure that yeah, you recognise you've got those three different stages that you need to go through, but not forgetting to think about well, how do you reshape and reframe your organisation, and how do you involve your people in that process so that you can actually um, you can actually succeed whatever. The environment that we all operate and throws at us down the line because this won't be the last last crisis we face. There'll be another one along before we know it. Um, and the more that we can be flexible and adaptable and help our people to be like that, then the better chance you have of, you know making it through the other side and being successful when the economy turns in the right direction again.
0: So, um, just going back to the research um, and obviously th- having thought about going what what life looks like. Um, in the next few months, years, like you say, I just don't think anybody or any of us can know um, from a from a business perspective where we were doing face to face events, that, uh, some, uh, some part of what we do, we've just uh, probably taken the decision that that isn't likely to happen for another 12 months. So we want to make sure that we're we're shining the light on the great work people do, uh, telling those stories in any which way we can possible um, around the world. And and so we have to we have to think of how we how we do that and luckily we've got an awesome team um who have skills in different areas and and desires to do things in different ways as well so like you say focusing on those people within your organization and the skill set they have and and the the things they want to do or, or develop then that's 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 one way out of a crisis i think um but um, going back to the actual uh, research, is that going to be available anywhere on your website? Or? Yeah, so
1: we're, um, So this is uh, Mental Health Awareness Week, so we'll be launching details about that um, during this week. Uh, I don't know when this podcast is going out, but, you know.
0: It, will be, it will be the same week. We usually sometimes uh, record and go like a week or two later, but this will still be Mental Health Awareness Week when people are listening to this.
1: Yeah, so that we'll be launching that research as part of that, um, and so that we can sort of show the insights in terms of the things that we've learnt from engaging with our community and and beyond that about the kind of challenges that the organisations are facing. So, if you want to learn more about it, then you should head for investorsandpeople.com dot com. You can see all the details there,
0: and we'll we'll try and put that link on our website too. But is it, and, and whilst. In no way belittling Mental Health Awareness Week, it's something that's close to my heart uh, and, our, and our company's heart, Mark. Um, and we're we constantly trying to uh, educate people around breaking the stigma around mental health, uh, being more inclusive. Um, I saw something on Twitter from one from an influencer that we we respect highly earlier today, and he said, it, "I know it's Mental Health Awareness Week," and he's a big advocate of it too. But haven't we been in Mental Health Awareness a year since March? Um, because because of the impact we're all having, and it's, it's that's another thing. When the mainstream now you see Governor Cuomo, these uh, people on a daily daily briefings constantly talking about mental health, and that's again you've pretty fast forwarded th- th- that agenda ten years.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I've, there's in my own family we've had. Um, I think I think mental health is a, a mixture of um, nature and nurture um and in my own family there's been lots of people had struggles with with mental health but when when my mum and some of her sisters were really struggling with it it wasn't a thing that people talked about then there was a massive stigma attached to it and it's only really been the last i would say three four years that that stigma has really started to come down so the work that the princes have done you know people like alistair campbell there's Russell Brand, you know, Fern Cotton, all of these people have kind of stepped forward and, and you know, made it okay to talk about it. Um and, and I think that's made a massive difference. And I think there's been a tsunami of people who've all always struggled with it. It's always been there. It's not a new thing. Um it's just that people have been given permission not to hide it anymore and not to hide the stigma of it. And I think that's a it's a massive step in the right in the right direction
0: even if they you know you know continue to hide it whether that's right or right or wrong they, they've they've been given the uh, sense that there's nothing wrong with them
1: yeah exactly
0: yeah <laughs> okay yeah. yeah every other other people are suffering and trouble and that they find it you know find it hard on one day and they're okay the next um so yeah, no, I think it's just allowing people to like, like you say, break that stigma. Uh, and long may it continue. Um, so many good things have happened as a result of this, um, d- despite the, ho- the horrible uh, nature of, of of the disease and the impact it's having on the economy. If we can hold on to some of the positive output of this, trusting people, you know, treating them like adults, um, breaking down the stigma of mental health even more, then a lot of good will come out of this crisis.
1: Um it, it, will, it will, and I think I think the thing as well is that from an employer perspective, I, I don't think a lot of employers are really know how to deal with it. You know, there's lots of um well rehearsed protocols about how employers deal with physical health, but I don't I don't get the sense that many employers are are there's much more than they're used to me, but I still think it's a big challenge for employers to understand how they effectively manage the the mental health of their employees i think that's an area where there's a lot more support needed
0: yeah no i i agree um and just uh, to end on i uh, saw sort of governor cuomo uh from new york they were adding you know the, one of the simplest ways of of um getting to getting um uh, to the heart of things with your with your people colleagues whether they're above you or below you um just asking the question how are you and then that what they're suggesting yesterday is actually adding the word really, "really" at the end of it. So, how are you really? Because very easy to shrug off. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Yep. Yeah. And but the, the reality is, a lot most of us are going pretty rubbish right now. I'm sick of being at home. I want to go out. I want to see my friends. Want to go to the pub. Want to go traveling. So, how are you really? Actually, yeah. takes it that one step further. That's um, a really,
1: that's a really good, that's a really yeah. good advice. That's. Because I think we all say "How are you?" and then everyone gives you a kind of bland, "Yeah, I'm all right." And then, but if you say "How are you really?", then that shows that your intent is to really understand how they are, not that it's just some sort of exchange of pleasantries. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea.
0: So, so on that note, um, uh, we try and keep our podcasts about the twenty-minute length, and um, we're we're, we're there. And it's been fantastic to catch up with you. Uh, I think it's been probably about a year since we last saw each other. Spickenden. Hopefully, it won't be a year before I see you again. Yeah, um, hopefully not.
1: And um, I just, I'm in Scotland, uh, so we—I don't know how long we're going to be locked there.
0: <laughs> well, I just—I'm just being very philosophical about everything right now, and no, you know, no, no timings or anything. So, um, but I, I hope—I'm just hoping it's not another year.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, exactly. But um, I really appreciate your time and your insight.
1: Yeah, to catch up.
0: And um, I, I'm just—I uh, before I si- sign off, I will say to everybody. There's some big news coming from from us uh, in the next few weeks, so please do keep your eyes peeled on on our newsletter and social media feeds. Uh, some some big and exciting news, uh, but for now, just want to say thanks again, Paul. Thank you. Thank you, and uh, thank you for listening. And uh, everybody, stay safe and be well. Um, take care. Bye bye.